This is episode 265 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. This week, we talk about Legend of Zelda rumors, a rumored 16 lens smartphone, SP provides insight into insight, and we have Andrew Zarian on the show this week to rant a little bit about podcasting groups. Plus, we play another game of Geek Wars, and I have to pixelate and censor SP. This and more in this week's show. I'm Kier. And I'm Alyssa from Indefensive, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts and guests. Be sure to check out all the other podcasts available at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready, because geekiness begins in three, two, one. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gonna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gonna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Welcome to episode 265 of the OfficialGunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and of course, with me today, I have the wonderful Chris Farrell. I ate way too much turkey. We also have, of course, Stargate Pioneer. Happy birthday, Dad! And I'm pleased to say, by the way, and happy birthday to SP's dad as well, uh, we have none other than Andrew Zarian here today with us from GFQ Network. Andrew, how are you? I'm really glad I'm here because, uh, you know, I, t- I talk about your show to, to to Suncast constantly about how I really enjoy what you guys do and, and it, overall for the network. You know, you guys do some great stuff. Better Podcasting is a is a phenomenal show. Obviously, this is a great show. So I'm I'm glad I, it finally worked out and I'm here. It's been it's been a while. We're happy to have you on here. And I heard today, by the way, that Stargate Pioneer was going to W a official title of SNASA. That's what he told me he was going to do. He was going SNASA. to w-, w a member of SNASA. What did you have in line for that there, SP? I was thinking of like the manager of the water closet, maybe. Okay, fair I'm enough. I'm okay with that. Perfect. So, Andrew, for people not familiar with you, where exactly can they find you usually? What sort of shows do you do? Uh, so I do a variety of stuff. Generally, it's technology and pro wrestling. Uh, I, 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 I have a vast knowledge of professor, professional wrestling and uh, a little bit of knowledge about technology. But uh, I, I do two shows, What the Tech with Paul Therat. That's on weekly. It's been going on for almost eight years now. And I do a show called Matt Men that has uh, taken a life of its own. It's actually one of my more popular podcasts that I do now. And it's about professional wrestling. So uh, who would have thought that would be that would be a living for me? Talking about pro wrestling. Yeah, because that was the main one you were doing for the uh, last couple of years, right? Yeah, Matt Man and What the Tech are, are the two main ones. But I've done a variety of stuff. I mean, over the last uh, eight years or so, I've probably done, you know, 30, 40 different types of shows. And uh, I've kind of consolidated due to my time with two kids and, you know, doing other other things on the side. So I've take I've consolidated things that didn't work. And the things that do work, and I only do two shows now out of all the stuff that I do. But uh, in 2019, we're adding a whole bunch more because I'm I'm back full time doing this. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to you bringing back Tech News Weekly. Uh, I know a lot of people are a lot. You know what's so funny about that show? I really enjoyed doing it, 
And at the end, I just started hating it. <laughs> I, I, it was it was on a Friday at like two. I kind of want to go out and get drunk by then. So like it, it kind of interfered in my in my in my schedule of things. So it ended up we ended up cutting it. But you never know. We might bring it back now that I have all the time in the world to do something. Well, I think you should, because I heard that somebody decided to start using that name unauthorized. Isn't, so. that, isn't that isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> so you got my vote of confidence there to bring the it way, back. It happened twice. Really? It happened twice. Oh, geez. Yeah, because I, I started Tech News Weekly and another person started Tech News Today. Mm. I had Tech News Weekly prior to Tech News Today. And then now they're Tech News Weekly. And shockingly, the logo is very similar also to my to my logo. I couldn't help but notice that. Yeah, we, we might have dissected that live on the air at one point in time. You know, what's great when I get the emails and like, uh, oh, Tech News Week, like I'll get like old people like that comment on older videos and they'll be like, oh, ripping off Leo Laporte is in that Twitch podcast. Constantly, I get that. <laughs> I just say yes. I don't know if you ever saw it, but I did do a uh, Andrew Zarian impression once Suncast came on here and uh, we did a special edition of Tech News Weekly. He did, he did send it to me. So. He sent it to me. It was, it was very good. <laughs> I tried. But let's go it's ahead very- and roll into the news. Here we go. All right, I'll go ahead and turn it over to none other than Chris Farrell here. I believe he is the number one podcast closer because for those of you who go way back, he guested regularly on the Fanboy Buzz podcast before it shut down. He guested regularly on uh, Tech News Weekly before it shut down. So let's turn Mm -hmm. it over to the number one podcast closer, Chris Farrell, to start us off with our news here. By that, he means the number one podcast killer because I show up and then these podcasts die. Exactly. It's true. It's true. Look at the history of it. So let's talk about Nintendo a little bit here and nothing about oh new Switch games or the Switch hardware sucks. Nothing like that. Let's talk some rumors specifically about some Legend of Zelda ports. So if you guys weren't aware, last week there was a Legend of Zelda concert series that began in Japan showcasing live music performed based on the long running Nintendo series. At the event, you wouldn't expect much to happen in the way of announcements, but according to reports, Zelda series producer, and I'm going to try not to butcher his name, my Japanese is terrible, Eiji Onuma teased that the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword might be making its way to the Switch. Yes, this is a port. How did this happen? Well, he responded to the people who had attended the event and then posted on social media. Here's what he said. He said, we know what you are thinking, Skyward Sword on Switch, right? And the crowd gave him a huge response and applause and screaming and yelling. This isn't unheard of. If you've gone back and looked at Nintendo, they've re-released a lot of the 3D Zelda titles. That includes Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess. They've all released on other consoles. So it's not unheard of that this 2011 Wii game could make its way over to the Switch. And from my point of view, actually, I think it might have been a Wii U game. I might have misspoken there. From my point of view, I'm kind of excited. I never had a Wii U. So this will be my first chance to play it when it comes to the Switch. I think it's a smart move by Nintendo. Bring back a game. Not a lot of people got a chance to play because the Wii U we know didn't sell well and put it on a console that's selling like gangbusters. Smart move. I had no idea that the Wii U didn't sell well. That's completely shocking (laughs) news. I never made fun of it ever on any podcasts. Two weeks ago, we were talking about the Wii U. We couldn't figure out if that little tablet thing was attached or how close it needed to be to the system or whatever. 
I, 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 I am a proud owner of a Wii U, and I have to tell you, I, I really enjoyed it for about three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's and about then, what I've heard other people uh, say. Yeah, I, I played Mario on there, and I played uh, two other games, and that was it. I, 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 I fulfilled all my needs with the Wii U, <laughs> and it just went away. I think this is cool. I, you know, I've always said Nintendo has this vast library of content, especially you know stuff that came out for the Wii or, or the Wii U that they could repurpose. You know, a lot of the stuff for GameCube and everything, it, it, it's uh, I, they they have a vast library of ports that they could do and even remakes. You know, we, we look at their library with the 3DS, right? They, they've had a phenomenal success with the with the 3DS. And uh, why not port some of that stuff over? Didn't they do it with um, the Luigi game? Right. Didn't they do a remake? I think so. I know they've done it with Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. That was a Wii U game that they re-released on the Switch just recently. And, oh God, there's other ones I know of. I'm just not thinking right now. But some of the main ones that came out at launch were Wii U re-releases. And in fact, Zelda, the last print, these last Zelda game that came out, rather, was actually on Wii U and Switch. Now, yeah, it was I, I, optimized for Switch, but... You know, it, it, they have a... Um, they have an uphill battle here because, you know, especially with with uh, PlayStation, you know, it's always going to be the king uh, and and Xbox is always going to be the king of, of gaming, you know, especially the console market. They do have something very special with the Switch and they just have to play their cards right for the next two years. That's it. I com I completely agree with you. You can go back to early episodes of this when the Switch was first announced where I was a skeptic to about six months after it was announced where I started to become a convert to the day it released where I was like, OK, I'm on board. This is awesome. I don't know why I doubted them. Well, they it's got, a phenomenal system. They did it so right with the handheld console aspect of it. The fact that it works so well handheld, you don't have that ability with Xbox or PlayStation. I don't want that ability with Xbox or PlayStation. I want it to be on the big screen. I want to have that controller on my hand. I want to la lean back in the lazy boy, and I want to have the good audio earphones on, and I just want to just zone out. That's what I want with a console gaming. Yeah, but the see, this is the good part is you have a console and a handheld that does both so well. No comments. If I traveled a lot for work still, it would be in my go bag for sure. I, I know like a Willie Nelson who's on one of my other shows I do. He bought a switch point blank because he's traveling all the time for work now. So he wanted a console he could take with him and then be able to throw up on a big screen when he wanted. So. There's a unique use case that's out there that you don't see with other systems. Yeah, you can take a 3DS, but it's not like the same quality of games that's out there. These are, they're better. The graphics are better. It's more high powered, for lack of a better term. I don't know. I'm struggling for the word there, but Nintendo found something unique that works here for the Switch. And if you go back and look at Nintendo, this is kind of their thing. They always find the unique twist that makes people go, oh, I never thought of that. And then it sells like gangbusters for a while. Look, remember when the Wii came out and how ridiculous and how hard it was to find the Wii? The Switch was the same way, not for as long because Nintendo manufactured a lot more Switches than Wiis, I believe, in that early surge. But it's an interesting Nintendo move and the Switch arguably saved Nintendo. Uh, I mean, that that's that's a very valid valid point with Nintendo's you know future if this was not a successful console for Nintendo we would be having a very difficult a very different discussion right now mm -hmm. uh with with what what's the 
What's the future of Nintendo? Who's going to buy them? Is Apple going to buy them? Is Microsoft going to buy them? How about all the, 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 the deep library of content that they have? You know, this was a discussion when the Wii came out that is it possible that Nintendo is going to just release their stuff on iOS and, and just say, hell with it. We're just going to become a software company and just put everything on mobile. Is that the smart bet? You know, I for a long time, I was talking to someone that that's kind of within uh, the gaming industry, and he was telling me that the move right now, the discussion would be was for Apple to do a partnership with Nintendo and having some of these games go on the Nintendo uh, on the on the Apple TV. You know, that was a heavy push for that for that, you know, whatever the latest version. I don't know what version number it was, but for the Apple TV to be a gaming device. And that would have been a great partner for them. But Nintendo really uh, recovered. And I don't know if it has to do with the fact that this console is that great or if it was the right place at the right time at the right price. I think it's the second part. It's the right time, right place, everything like that. The Switch, it's just different and it stands out and it just spoke to people. I don't know what it is because, like I said, when it first was announced, I was like, oh, there's no way. But as you learned more and more about it, I went, I was someone who's going, holy crap, this sounds awesome. This sounds amazing. And for a while there, not right now, though, I was playing my Switch more than I was playing my Xbox. That's kind of changed right now with games like Fallout 76 and Spider-Man on PS4. But for a while there, the Switch was my go-to device. And right now it's my fiance's go-to device as she's playing, mm -hmm. uh, was it Let's Go Pikachu all the time in between playing Fallout 76. So here's a here's a great example of their sales, right? They are at over 20 million units now. Uh, as of July, they were at 19.67. So let's say there are 20 million units as of June 30th, 2018. This is a, a, a casual, some people call it a casual gamer device. This is a much a far less expensive device. Sony, on the other hand, has sold 73 million PS4s this generation. Yeah. Uh, that means that Sony has sold approximately 18.4 million units per year since PlayStation's launch. Wow. And that's a very rough estimate. But if you consider the fact that the console debuted in 2013, it kind of gives you a, an idea of raw numbers that we're talking about. This is a very successful console for, for them to be able to sell 20 million units as a third place. Yes. You know, as a third as a third place entry into the market. And here's the scary thing. They're not that far away from Xbox, supposedly. Microsoft's never officially disclosed numbers, but you start looking at some of the industry pundits and things they put out there. They they estimate it's a two to one ratio of PlayStations to Xboxes right now. So let's be a little more generous and say instead of 35 mil, it's 40 million Xboxes that's out there. Nintendo's not that far away in the grand scheme of things. Listen, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a geeky guy. I, I enjoy these things. Uh, for me, going into and I, by the way, I have an Xbox, I have a PlayStation. But for me to look at this, it's a little intimidating going into an Xbox or a PlayStation now at, at my age, you know, at 35 years old, I haven't been really playing game. You know, I haven't been gaming for a solid 10 years consistently. Me going to play a a Call of Duty or or something else that is a franchise that's expanded over the last decade is extremely intimidating. With Nintendo, I know how Mario Kart will play from uh, on any uh, any generation of the game. I know what Zelda is going to be like. I know what Mario is going to be like. So I think that also plays a part is the intimidation factor with, you know, the PlayStation or the Xbox compared to Mario uh, compared to uh, Nintendo. So I have both the Xbox and the PlayStation myself, and I prefer the Xbox as a main entertainment center console 
because you can stream to it. You can play your Blu-rays or 4K if you happen to have that through that. And you can also use it as a gaming console. You can't do that with the Switch, as far as I know. And the PlayStation isn't as good as doing those things just because it isn't linked up to various different aspects of the streaming life. Now, you do have the PlayStation View, which is their cable service, which is not exclusive to the PS4, but it's still linked up there. But yeah, I think the Xbox wins in that genre, not just the gaming genre. One thing we didn't consider on the Switch, I know we probably need to move on after that, is nostalgia. That's part of why it's selling so well. Look at the games, the major releases, Zelda, Mario year after that, a new Smash Brothers game, a Mario Kart re-release. There's a big nostalgia factor for people in our age, well, in like Andrew and Steve and I's age group, early early mid 30s, sorry SP. It's a different generation. I wasn't trying to make an age shot there, but <laughs> the generation of gaming that we're in, we grew up on those games on our Super Nintendos yeah. and N64s and things like that. So we're seeing a lot of those same titles come to the Switch. And a lot of folks, I'm not one of them, are starting to have kids and stuff like that and wanting to share those kind of things they loved with their kids. So it's like, hey, I can play Mario Kart on here. I can share it with my kids and kind of pass on this thing that I loved. Also, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that retro gaming has has taken off over the last two, three years, too. You know, the fact that a lot of these gamers on Twitch are playing older retro games You've seen the re-releases of the Nintendo with the NES, NES, NES. Uh, Sega has one. Uh, Neo Geo has a has a console coming. So a lot of these retro uh, retro devices, retro consoles are, are really taking off too, and that kind of correlates into Nintendo's success. Mm-hmm. It's a familiar product that you understand when you pick it up, agree. and that goes a long way. Totally agree, and I think that that is one of the biggest highlights with Nintendo. Moving on from one piece of speculation, that's right, that's where we started, uh, over to another. Uh, looks like there might be some questionable decisions coming out of the world of LG. For those of you not familiar, cell phones have been adding more cameras in recent. That's right, a lot of the manufacturers now are adding more cameras on to the cell phones. Well, LG, it's looking like they filed a patent for not one, Not to, no, I won't do that, because 16 cameras allegedly is what they're looking to shove on to a future phone. There was a patent spotted by Let's Go Digital that suggests LG is looking to throw 16 lenses into a camera in the future, which they think would make it a hexa camera. Apparently, there would be a curved setup. The 16 lenses will allow to capture a photo from several different perspectives and even simulate movement from a still image. Uh, This is going to make it easier to replace objects in photos, and the patent documents seem to suggest that the phone will be able to capture more information in order to possibly do three dimensions, not just two. Of course, that could also lead to other effects in different processing if there's 16 different lenses. Now, of course, this is a patent, so you don't know if this is ever going to transpire into anything actual. One of the reasons I wanted to mention this news point was because you I think this is the future of cell phone cameras. We're seeing this now. We're seeing companies start to manipulate multiple cameras to do more than just you have a widescreen option, you have a regular option. You're seeing the sort of merging of inf- of camera data together like the Pixel 3 is doing this with that front-facing camera where 
you're able to make like an ultra wide selfie or something like that because they're merging the two lenses. So I think that this, if anything, indicates that the future might be having more stitching going together and more photo processing of multiple cameras on cell phone devices. 16, I guess, maybe, but where are you going to put your hand without blocking the lenses? So light is a funny thing. You know, you need a certain length for your lens to work. And unfortunately, with these cell phones going paper thin, you don't have a lot of length, even with the additional bumps. So they have to resort to other techniques in order to increase capabilities of the camera. This is nothing new. We've talked about it before. The James Webb Space Telescope has a bunch of different lenses. It's not like the Hubble. It has a bunch of different lenses to it. So telescopes do this all the time. And I'm not surprised that they are going to this with a highly uh, digitized and processed photo because this is the way to do it. Just capture more light from more smaller cameras all over the phone. The question I have is, how are you going to hold the phone without actually getting your hands over any one of the lenses with 16 of them on there? Use the force, SP. Use the force. <laughs> or, or a DJI Osmo mobile thing. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Andrew, I know over the years you've looked at a lot of different phones. I remember early on, yeah. you almost got me to buy, I think it was the LG G5 based off of your review of it or talking about it or speculation about it. Was it the G5? I... I I, I mean, I've used so many of them, but I have to tell you, uh, we're talking about they're talking about 16 cameras. Samsung is talking about six cameras, eight cameras. Google's doing it with one on the Pixel and that the, the Pixel 3 has one of the best cameras that I've seen on the market, uh, arguably better than the iPhone's, you know, top phone and, and their, their camera. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. Two, three, four. How many cameras do you need? Uh, I at the end of the day. It, the, the quality is going to be as only as good as the sensor of that camera. So you could put 18 cameras on this thing. If the sensor's garbage or if the sensor is a little bit grainier, if the sensor doesn't allow as much light as another camera, it's not going to look great. You know, I've, I've seen some of those Huawei phones uh, that people are going nuts over the quality. I have to tell you, they're doing it with how many? How many does that thing have now? Four cameras? The new Huawei? I think so. The P20, not, I think it is. Yeah, it's not that great. No. You know? So I think at the end of the day, it really depends on who's who has the better sensor. Um, a lot of it also is a gimmick, like the notch. You know, everybody's <laughs> adding that notch now on their phones. Fine. I get it. You know, if, if you're adding it for aesthetics because you want it to kind of look like an iPhone, I get it. I understand the purpose, whatever. I, I'm not as affected by it as many as as many other you know as people are. But the fact that you're adding so many cameras to the 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 phone are you creating a better image or are you just creating a marketing tool that's going to say, we added 16 cameras, 16 sensors to this thing? Uh, the other part is, what are you sacrificing by adding so many of those cameras? What are you sacrificing there? Are you sacrificing quality or is your is your idea that you could get, you know, let's say you're paying a nickel per sensor uh, for a regular camera. Now you're paying two and a half cents because you're adding so many of them. You know, a lot of these things come into play. I'd be more worried about space. And in my mind, the biggest thing that you're going to trade off would be battery because it's just, it's the biggest single space that's taking up your entire phone out of a single component. 
So I could see them reducing the size of the battery in order to fit that much hardware on the phone. I'm going to make an unpopular opinion here before we bounce off of this, but I'm going to say that uh, I think that at some point you might see a physical connection go away for plugging in. And I say that because everybody was sort of mind blown when they got rid of the headphone jack. But what's the next sort of jack that they can remove? You know, yes, we could remove some buttons, but that would be possible and make them all soft buttons. But you're now getting more and more people involved in the wireless charging. I know we have problems with it. We have problems with the wireless headphones, but I could see them at one point going, you get wireless charging only. Yeah, there was a lot of talk of that when Apple got rid of the headphone jack and introduced wireless charging in this current generation of smartphones. But well, let's step back in time a second, though. Let's go like five years back. Remember smartphone cameras? The gimmick there was we have a 28 megapixel camera on our phone. Go and look at most of the cameras you have on phones nowadays. They're, they're not that anymore. You're talking like 18 megapixel, 16 megapixel because they realized it's just marketing nonsense. Yeah. It doesn't matter on a cell phone. You need a good sensor, not something that's going to capture 28 megapixels or whatnot. <laughs> so th this whole multi-camera thing is a gimmick. Andrew nailed it. Look at what Google's doing with one. They're using a one sensor and software to do incredible things. Steven, you touched on it a couple weeks back. The night sight tool that just rolled out to the Pixel phones is the coolest camera thing I've seen in a couple years. And yes, full disclosure, I have a Pixel 2 XL, so I'm slightly biased. But night sight's phenomenal. I can go outside, flip this mode on in terrible light and get a picture that looks fantastic because it cleans up all the noise. It makes everything bright in the way it should. It's phenomenal. And if you can do that with software, I'm sure you can find a way with one or two cameras replicate what LG is talking about doing with 16. Yeah, maybe you'll have to pan your camera around a little bit, but I don't want 16 cameras on my phone. I'll never use it. So, Chris, I know you watch football, right? I do. So when they do those replays where they start panning around the play and everything, that's what these 16 cameras will do from one location. They will give you that 3D. Why do I need that as a consumer? When am I going to use it but once or twice to go, oh, that's cool, and then never use it again? I have two teenage daughters. They can figure out a way to do that. Uh, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and say I, I agree with your logic, but only until I realize that I also think that motion pictures are absolutely ridiculous and look how popular they are. And not just on Apple. The whole, you know, live photos on on Apple. Oh, I thought you meant movies. I was very no, confused. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I forgot. Motion pictures is a different term. But no, you know the ones that move because I forget what Google calls them. But every, they're all over the place now. I hate the idea. I think they're a terrible idea. But take up my space. But apparently mm -hmm. they're a thing. So I, I can see why that could be a possibility. But moving on to uh, concrete news that we've got here. SP, you've got a little insight on something, don't you? <laughs> I do. In a Space.com article today, November 26, 2018, senior writer Mike Wall reported that NASA's InSight lander touched down safely on the Martian surface, pulling off the first successful Mars landing since Curiosity in August of 2012. Now, remember, InSight is short for Interior Explora Exploration of Using Seismic Investigations, Geodesy, and Heat Transport. Signals confirming InSight's touchdown came down to Earth at approximately 2.53 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, eliciting whoops of joy and relief from mission team members and NASA, NASA officials at the agency's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which manages the InSight mission. 
A few minutes later, the team received confirmation from the lander that it's functioning after the landing. However, mission team members won't know whether InSight successfully deployed its solar panels until 8.35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on November 27th at the earliest. Without those arrays extended, the lander cannot survive, let alone probe the Martian interior like never before, which is the main goal of the $850 million InSight mission. If the arrays do unfurl as planned, InSight will join a relatively select club. Less than 40% of all Mars missions over the decades have successfully arrived at their destination, be that an orbital path around the planet or on its red surface. InSight shared its Atlas V rocket ride with two briefcase-sized CubeSats called Marco A and Marco B, which have been making their own way to Mars over the last six and a half months. Marco A and Marco B also played a key role in today's excitement, relaying data from InSight to Mission Control at JPL during the lander's harrowing entry, descent, and landing, also known as EDL, sequence. Over the next two Earth years, the lander will probe Mars' interior structure and composition in unprecedented detail. The next lunar touchdown for NASA is scheduled for the Mars 2020 rover mission as part of NASA's Mars Exploration Program, but NASA's Mars 2020 won't be alone on its trip as the joint ESA-Roscosmos ExoMars 2020 mission and China's Mars Global Remote Sensing Orbiter lander and small rover is also scheduled for that same time. Guys, we did not bomb Mars today. Yay! Although I'm a little disappointed that we have Marco A, Marco B, and no Marco Polo. <laughs> Curiously enough, Marco A and Marco B did not have any retro thrusters, so they could not insert themselves into the Martian orbit, so they will be flying by Mars and off, maybe doing an asteroid flyby if they can find something that's near it. You know, when I heard about this today, when you sent me the link, I couldn't believe how quickly... This came up on us. I remember you talking about when this was all launched back in whatever episode. Go find it. Somebody let us know what that was. I'll put it in the doc. Uh, I can't believe that this is already here. This is crazy. We're already here, not bombing Mars, unlike last time. Listen, Elon Musk said 70% chance he'll move to Mars. I saw that too. All I know is if I worked on this project, those seven minutes it took for it to land where you don't know what's going on, would have to have been the seven longest minutes of my life. <laughs> Especially since the last time it failed. Yeah, can you just imagine sitting in there being like, oh my god, is, it, am I, is my career done? Is this thing going to crash? Did some moron put thing in inches instead of centimeters or meters and we screwed everything up? Oh no. Yeah, I was watching live. It was incredible. So all the major news outlets had the cameras on the JPL Control Center and there was numerous Facebook streams going uh, at the same time so if you wanted to watch this live you sure could watch it there was a bunch of cheers at each differential uh stage in the landing as well as when the group of 10 or so directors were huddled around one monitor looking for that one picture <laughs> to verify that it oh, had indeed touched down and it was working and they started cheering just them started cheering and everything that's when the real excitement happens, but this is not going to be a fast burning mission. This is going to take about two years to get any meaningful science out of it because these thermometers are so precise. Let me ask you this, though, Stargate Pioneer. How many cameras was on this? Was there 16? 
No, now the main purpose of this lander is not to take pretty photos. This is to do deep science into the deep Martian core to try to find out how rock planets form. So this is going to take a while. It's going to take a couple years to get those really precise seismometers looking into Mars and seeing the composition of the planet. So we won't really get anything for a couple of years from this lander. Okay. Well, thank you very much for talking about that on here. I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand more times. I think it's important that we all talk about space stuff. I think that that's important to keep us moving forward. So one day we can be the first podcast on Mars. I heard that, uh, Andrew, you're going to pay the bill for that, right? Oh, listen, I, I'm I'm going with you guys. If if the uh, the trend of, of podcasting advice that I see that's happening uh, <laughs> continues. <laughs> Uh, all right. So at the risk of possibly having to hang up on you, uh, you've got a surprise for us in your news article this week. What's up over there, Andrew? So it, it's not as much of a news article as, as something that I've started noticing more. You know, I, I attribute it to, you know, I bought a Volvo, for example, right? I, I got a Volvo SUV. I never would see this car around until I bought it. And now every other car is a Volvo, right? That, that's kind of what happens when you start getting aware. For people who don't know, I kind of stepped away from podcasting for a little bit, and I, I took a day job, and now I'm back. And in about 20, I want to say 22 months that I was kind of away, and I was kind of part-time podcasting, it is, un and you guys could attest to this, it is unbelievable how podcasting and internet broadcasting has kind of changed. And every day now, and I notice it more and more, it's the same kind of topic, right? It, it's... It's um, it's no longer about what's the best camera to use and what's the best mic. I mean, I mean, obviously, you're going to see those posts, too. But that was the topic of discussion when I first started, where everybody was learning. Now, everything is how I could help you make money doing a podcast and how you can make money doing a podcast. And what are you doing wrong that you're not making money doing a podcast? I mean, I, I saw a, a post today and that's what kind of triggered me. It was this. Somebody wrote, um, hey, I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing it for whatever time. I forgot what it was. Uh, what do I do? Any of you make money? How do I make money doing a podcast? Nobody was able to give this guy the answer of no, it's very difficult to make money doing a podcast. It's equivalent to doing a public access show and asking for money from advertisers because you're doing public access. I, I really. I attribute this still to the Wild West days, and this is technically most podcasters are doing public access, right? They're 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 hitting a very niche con uh, product. Most podcasts suck. This is not one of those, by the way. This is well produced, regardless of your NDI dropouts. It's <laughs> forgiven. That's Microsoft's fault, not ours. <laughs> the edited version has no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, I have no idea what I, I'm just I'm just saying in, if there were problems, it would most likely be NDI problems. But this is a well-produced show with show notes. Majority of podcasts that you hear are embarrassing. Right. And the people are that are asking, how can I make money doing a podcast are never guys like you because you already know what the answer is. And I, and I get so worked up over this because people can't just turn around and say, hey, listen, how many viewers do you got? A thousand. Sorry, it's going to be tough to make money. You can maybe get a niche product out there uh, that wants to advertise to your market. Like This Week in Radio Tech is one of our more successful podcasts because it's so freaking niche. Right. It's catering to one group of people on this face of this planet, and that's radio engineers. 
So <laughs> if you are advertising a console or something that they would be interested in buying because they have the buying power, of course you want to advertise on that show. But if I'm doing a film review show, which a lot of podcasts do, right? And I have 500 to 1,000 people a week that download that show. Who's going to advertise for that? Yeah. It's going to be hard. So rather than people giving the answer of, hey, you know, this is a standard. You need about 5,000 to 10,000 downloads per episode. You need to have good quality audio, good quality video. You need good content. And sometimes you just can't suck because most people are, are don't have it. I'm not claiming I have it, but most people don't have it. And that's why some people are far more successful than other people at this because it's just pure talent. Um, you don't see those answers. And you're seeing a lot of, you know, beating around the bush and just dishonesty. Yeah. A lot of dishonest. And I couldn't believe how dishonest. And I know I knew some of these people in this in this thread that I was reading. And it, this one guy was asking, how do you make money? And the answers were, well, I make money doing a podcast, of course, because podcasting is part of my business and my business makes money. Therefore, my podcast makes money. No, that's not true. I mean, if you put balloons in front of your store every day when you open your store and you open your door and you put balloons and somebody drives by and sees it because of the balloons, are you are you are you making money off of balloons? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You're making money because you use it as a billboard. I, I you're in the billboarding, but I mean, you're not in the billboarding business. You're in whatever business that you have. And it is just another extension of of marketing. I just get really upset over the dishonesty. And this is something that I've noticed more over the last couple of weeks that I've been way more focused in on this. And for people who don't remember, I, I started something called the IIB. And it was a group of all internet broadcasters were invited. There was no pay. There were no fees, no nothing. It was a forum and it was a front page of things that I wanted to post and, and inform people of. Um, it just, it got, so, it grew too fast and I couldn't do it anymore. So it kind of fell apart in that sense. Uh, because I had was not predicting the growth that we got. Uh, but it's amazing how people just lie and people just make things up. And, and the sheer amount of profiteers there are in this business. Um, it was and I'm seeing it more and more. And obviously, listen, you you guys do a, a podcasting show. Uh, Betterpodcasting.com, by the way, for those of you not familiar with that. Uh, and I'm sure you see what I see regularly. And it's crazy to me how people give such misinformation and they lie and they tell you that, you know, just and it, I don't know if it's to 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 gloat a little bit. I don't know if it's to, it's to make money off of you or it's just sheer ignorance and they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Some of I, it is the wish, the desire to create podcasting into a huge business center. And so in order to do that, and they want to be a part of that and make money off of it in the podcasting industry, they need to promote it as a way to make money because how else are you going to get the talent in there? The really great shows that people are going to want to watch and see on a mass level every week or every season or, or, or whatever. I mean, Serial was great because they thought, oh, finally, here's a thing that we can market to the masses that's just like tv we could do it in series and, and people will be great well okay that only got you so far it's incremental growth and it does bring you awareness but it doesn't create podcasting into the mega billion dollar industry that they want 
it will it ever be that i don't know i don't think so because you know that that's a great question and you brought up cereal and i see my definite and this is the other thing right podcasting is a very broad term now originally when i started doing this and when you guys started it was it was radio right it was just us it was me and i always joke about it i play radio for a living i do i have a radio setup here i i go based on traditional live reads and that is a format that i do cereal it to me is more of an audiobook and mm-hmm. it's a great series but spoke it's a spoken word weekly episodic show yeah, so is it a podcast yeah i guess so because that's what they defined it as but is an audiobook a podcast is a weekly uh, audiobook a podcast i don't know i don't know what the future is but i do see um it leading in that sense i think the money's going to be in major networks creating these content, you know, shows like Serial, uh, and that'll take off. I don't know how much money will be generated by radio style content by people that nobody's ever heard of, like myself. You know, I, again, I'm lucky, right? I, I was at the right place at the right time. We were talking about that with Nintendo. Um, and and I, I started in early. I don't know how to advise somebody that wants to start doing a tech podcast now on yeah. how to grow their audience. I, I, it's it's so, a very difficult market to penetrate now because you don't have you don't have iTunes supporting you like you used to when I started. Uh, companies like uh, Blip.tv don't exist anymore to put you on the front page. My first year in, they had me on the front page of Blip TV next to Obama. Wow! I mean, it's it, it's me. Well, I was going to curse. Do you guys curse? Here? We don't curse here. We don't curse okay. here. Oh God! I caught myself. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we it, know what you're going to say. Okay. I almost slipped. I I forgot. But you know what I mean? Like I'm I I uh, that was the opportunity that I was given then because it was easy and nobody was doing it. Now, you know, we it's it's a fight to create those viewers and it's a fight to cannot kind of bring in everybody. But I get I get so upset and and I and I thought this was topical because I've seen it happen so often where it, it's just answer the guy's question. Sometimes no is the best answer you could give them. Yeah. Because it'll drive them It'll drive them even more to say, you know what, maybe this isn't working. Maybe I should revamp this. You know, when you when you start BSing people and you're not self-aware of your own issues, it's 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 fake. It's all it's all make believe, you know, and I think that's what a lot of these people are doing. I totally agree. And one example I saw of this in a podcast group recently was somebody had said you need to use X thousand of listens and they were talking per episode, and let's use a random figure. Let's say that they said a thousand, and I don't think that's the number. But they go, you need a thousand listens per episode in order to be able to market it. Well, apparently when they communicated this to that person, the person took away, you need a thousand listens. And the person goes, yeah. I just hit my thousand listen total mark. Now how do I start getting the revenue? And yeah. like they were asking clearly, they, they figured that if I get a certain amount of number, I'm guaranteed to get revenue. That's the number one thing. Number two was that they clearly were just focused about their number. And so, you know, like you said, saying no sometimes can drive people the right direction. If you say you need to get a thousand listens, well, then they're just going to sit there and focus. Well, how do I get a thousand listens? And wasn't the thousand listens the total podcast downloads, not per episode? Yeah, it Correct. was the total podcast. I know which one you're talking about because I saw that post actually. Yeah. Um, something I, I kind of wanted to touch on, and and it was it was sad when I had this discussion. I uh, I went out and I had a couple to drink. And <laughs> really, the shocking, you of all shocking, people, me of all hmm. people. Wow. 
Uh, I had a couple I had a couple drinks and I came home and I was on my laptop and I never respond to some of these, you know, with in that in those podcasting groups. And I, I want to protect the person because I went into it. So the post was this is my podcast. Somebody told me to, uh, that I need 5000 downloads per episode to make money. And I'm having a lot of difficulty finding advertisers because right now we have like, I don't know what it was over 5000 downloads. And I'm like, huh. So let me listen to this. It was the most heartbreaking podcast I've ever heard in my life. It was about a mother that this is going to shut this mood totally down here. It was about a mother that that lost her son. Her son was murdered by the father. OK, and it's her true story weekly telling the accounts of everything that led up to it, everything that happened. And now post life, uh, what what her struggles are. It was heartbreaking and devastating to listen to. Now, you know what? It caught my attention. But and I and I wrote to her and I said, listen, you're going to I'm going to I'm going to tell you what you guys are doing. I go, your story is terribly heartbreaking and it's captivating. I want to hear more and I want to learn more about it. But I don't even know if this is even an avenue to put put an ad in like I can't imagine. I said, you know, maybe there's different ways you can monetize this. Maybe you could have an underwriter. Maybe you could have your story told by somebody else. But to sit there and do a live read while you're talking about this heartbreaking uh, murder of your son uh, is devastating. I, it, it broke my heart to hear it, but it, it just it just and everybody in the in the thing, you know, nobody listened to the show. Obviously, everybody just spewing advice. Right. Oh, you should go to mid roll and you should go to pod track and you should go here. I, I don't know what company would. Uh, and, and by the way, the name of the show, I'll just say it is uh, Stephen from Gunna Geek murdered my son and he's a filthy pig. And that's the website. And that's what the name of the show wow. is. You know, like it was hmm. it was so aggressive. And I don't know anybody that would go near something like that as a as a as a advertiser. But I felt so sad because this is now perpetuated where she can make money doing this. She can make money doing this. She, maybe maybe you could do something else, <laughs> you know, that's the problem in general with a lot of this stuff. And I'm going to sound like an elitist here and like I'm taking a shot. That's not my intent here. But when you've got folks like Kevin Smith, and I'm not saying in a bad way here, let me clarify, who come out on his show all the time and go, podcasting is great because you can just plug a mic and anything. You can share your story. Well, yes, that's true. But what people aren't realizing is not everyone's Kevin Smith who's going to have a name that can bring in advertisers and bring in guests and do all sorts of stuff. So they get this false idea of, well, I can do just what Kevin Smith's doing and I can hit it big also and start getting like half the downloads he's going to get. It's not the same. I mean, there's production he's got. He's got a star quality behind him because of who and what it is he does. There's not a real understanding from someone coming fresh into it of this is what it's going to take for me to make it big. Yeah, we all have those dreams of, oh, man, it's going to take that one guest or that one awesome episode that goes viral. And then we're in. We're going to be able to monetize. We're going to make tons it, of money. You know what? It, it used to be like that. It used yes. to. It's not uh, anymore. It, it was, yeah, it's not in because there's so much noise now with everything that we do. Uh, you know, I could do I could do a show with Paul, for example, right? And this this really happened. Uh, it was when the Xbox One was being announced prior to it being announced, and he by mistake on the show started talking to me, forgetting that we're on the air. I mean, he knew we were on the air, but kind of getting lost in the conversation, and literally laid out every detail about this console. I had no idea what he was saying to me was any importance because I had I, I had speculated this. I didn't know it was unknown information. <laughs> the thing blew up, went viral, had a couple hundred thousand views on the cover of the Turkish Times. 
<laughs> I mean, this was all this became breaking news. You know what it did to me for the long run? Zero. Mm-hmm. Zero. How many new viewers did I gain in the long run? Zero. So all that buzz, which is great. It's great to have. It doesn't really translate like it used to. You know, if that happened 10 years ago, you could have been a, a number one source for all this stuff. It, it's it's a lot of noise and it's way more difficult. It can't, It is possible to make money doing this. It, it's very much possible. But you have to go into it with a realistic expectation of I'm doing this in my house, in my living room, in my bedroom, wherever you record. Um, maybe we should or in my car, like some guy wanted to do a podcast in his car. I was reading this post uh, the other day. Uh, maybe we <laughs> should step back, enjoy it, do it, do it because it's an art, because it's a hobby and and be self-aware what kind of content we're putting out. If it works, guess what? It's amazing. You can make a couple bucks doing this and 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 do well with it. That's that's amazing. If not, keep doing it and enjoy doing it. If you don't enjoy doing it, and you're doing it for the money. You're not going to you're never going to make money doing it if you don't enjoy doing this. Well, I, I think agree. the problem is there's some people out there that want people to keep having that dream of it's going to take that one big thing because then they can offer their services and expertise to guide them in the right way when no you're just yeah. banking on the fact that these folks are new to it and haven't learned how this industry works yeah 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 that, and and again no guidelines right nobody knows what's going on it's just speculation for sure well thanks for bringing that on here i think that's a good talking point and uh i feel like I feel like we might have to set up a special discussion just about that in the future because that could be Listen, like a full have, hour in itself. I, I have so much to say about all of it where <laughs> it, it's it, 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 it's I, I've done these discussions prior uh, and uh, I think it was at NAB. No, no, it was Blog World when Blog World was happening back in 2012. And I and I very similar discussion. Obviously, I hadn't been podcasting, hadn't matured to the point I had people and I, I won't name names walk out. Oh, because wow. I was directly telling them that their businesses, uh, they're shysters, they're profiteers, and they're they're preying on people that don't know what they're doing, and people don't need to give these people money. And and two people got up and left in the, <laughs> and, and they're one of those people. So I, I mean, listen, I'm very vocal about this. Uh, if you need help, obviously you could. There's no who am I to tell you? You know, you shouldn't give your money to somebody else, but. Do it because you want to learn, not because you think this is your next, you know, big hit in life and in finance. Exactly. All right. Well, moving on to our extra extra section here. We just got a quick hit here. Stargate Pioneer was all excited to talk about something. SP, run this down quick for us before we get into an abbreviated version of Geek Wars today. Sure. It's not a good geek podcast if we don't have a story about Elon Musk and SeniorSpace.com writer Mike Wall wrote in a November 20th post that Elon Musk is actually rebranding SpaceX's Mars colonizing spaceflight system. Now, the huge reusable rocket spaceship duo that SpaceX is building to ferry people to Mars and other celestial destinations will no longer be called the BFR, a.k.a. the Big Falcon Rocket, and BFS for Big Falcon Spaceship. Now, they are... Quote, renaming BFR to Starship, unquote, Musk announced via Twitter on November 19th, and a follow-up tweet by Musk announced that, quote, technically two parts. Starship is the spaceship slash upper stage, and Super Heavy is the rocket booster needed to escape Earth's deep gravity well, not needed for other planets or moons, unquote. 
Now, past names for the system include the Mars Colonial Transporter. Then the name changed to the Interplanetary Transport System, or ITS, in 2016. ITS then became the BFR slash BFS in September 2017 when Musk revealed an updated design for the combo. Finally, this month, the BFR changed to Starship and Super Heavy. SpaceX eventually plans to shift all of its business over to the Super Heavy stash Starship system. Together, the two vehicles can do everything the company will need to do for the foreseeable future, from launching satellites to cleaning up space junk to carrying passengers on super fast trips from city to city right here on Earth. Well, I'm not surprised they're renaming it because you've talked before about the whole uh, F in there, what that actually originally was. And so I think that it's a smart move for them to get away from there. Yeah, Elon Musk himself has said that it really stood for Big Fuck Rocket. Whoa. <gasps> wow. Holy cow. On that Steven's note, Steven's going to have to spend the money on the pixelation this week. Let's go ahead and move on to Geek War so I can drink my money away. <laughs> All right, we like to do this here on Gonna Geek, but because we know that we uh, we had a lot of news this week, we'll do a little bit of a, a modified version of Geek Wars. So what we do here is we like to ask geeky questions. I do. And I give the contestants here a chance to ring in and answer said question for points. It's There's no win at the end if you do get the most amount of points. It's not like I have a trophy. Maybe I'll take a label maker and put one on a trophy I have or something and, and keep it here. But there's no real benefit to it. But I wanted to do it while Andrew was on here today because, you know, there's a little rivalry between Suncast and Andrew because of the mm. fact that uh, Suncast has been on here a lot and Andrew constantly tells him feedback afterwards about what he did wrong. And so I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I'd give Andrew a shot here to be better at Geek Wars than Suncast. Oh, Okay. So today I prepared a series of questions and it's going to be a, a blast from the tech past, a bunch of past tech stuff. And okay. uh, the way we're going to abbreviate this today is usually when I ask a question, you get a chance to buzz in. If that person gets it wrong, then everybody else gets a chance to ring in and so forth until we have the right answer. Today, we're not going to do that. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to just take the first one. If that person gets it wrong, then so be it. Um, of course, if somebody does decide to game the system, I might go ahead and change that part way, but we'll see how that all works out. Um, actually, you know what? I lied. I'll, I'll go ahead and change the rules right now on, on the fly. Uh, we'll give one chance, one additional chance to ring in, and we'll leave it at that. So not everybody gets a chance. We'll just have one, one fallback, and if the fallback gets it wrong, then that's where we'll leave it. So question number one, let's start off with a gimme. These days, we talk about Firefox, Chrome, and of course, if you're Andrew, your favorite browser is Microsoft Edge. What is the name of the popular browser that was made by the company formerly known as Mosaic Communication Corporation? SP. SP, what is it? Netscape. It is Netscape. That's right. So SP is going to be at one. And uh, Netscape was my go-to browser for a while, by the way. That was, uh, that was a lot of, lot of time that I put into learning the internet on Netscape. How about you, Andrew? Uh, I use it. For, yeah, I, I'm going back. I, I'm trying to remember when I left Netscape. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. I, I mean, at one point I jumped ship from Netscape to something else. I can't remember what I went to. 
Well, I, uh, I, I miss Netscape, and maybe one day it'll make a resurgence. Maybe. Question number two. In the late 90s slash early aughts, Palm made excellent progress within the world of personal organization. However, there was a second company that made PDAs that used the Palm OS. Okay, Andrew, what is it? Handspring. It is indeed yep. Handspring. And uh, I, you, my, my brother had a Handspring. I had an actual Palm. And I was always a little jealous because I thought the Handspring uh, looked a little bit better. They were little, is, that, is that how we buzz in, by the way? Yeah. Did I buzz in properly? You can say your name. You can do how, however you want. Okay. Uh, as long as I know, that's totally fine. But okay. yes, it was indeed Handspring was the other company. All right. Question number three piggybacks on that one. And Visor actually made a product line that Palm continued under under the Palm name. What was the name of that product? So there was a product that that uh, Handspring originally made. And then once Palm bought Handspring, they continued that product. For a very long time. SP. All right, what is it? Trio. It is Trio. Yes, Trio originally wow. started as Handspring. So for those of you following at home, SP is at two, Andrew's at one, and Chris is a goose egg like his head. It happens. <laughs> All right, question number four. Name this popular web hosting service founded in 1994 that was later acquired by Yahoo. Again, name this website oh. service. Oh, Andrew, are you ringing in? Geo GeoCity. It is GeoCities. Yes, wow. it is. Yes. I was thinking that it became Yahoo GeoCities. So that means that Andrew and SP are tied at two apiece. Wow. Apparently, I didn't even need to do the abbreviated version of this. <sighs> Question number five: When you think of music downloading in the late '90s, early aughts, our mind goes to Napster. What was the name of the peer-to-peer -peer file service? Chris. That Okay. Kazaa. No, it was not Kazaa. That was <sighs> made by the company Streamcast. I got it. All Morpheus. Right. It was Morpheus. Oh, yeah. It was Morpheus. See, you didn't let me finish the question, Chris. I wouldn't have gotten it if you finished it. <laughs> because Morpheus came before Kazaa. Did they? It did. Morpheus came before Kazaa. I didn't use any of those services. Of so. course not. No. Yeah, I'm sure. I think I used Napster story. at the end, but no, I wasn't an early adopter in the peer-to-peer -peer music sharing. Sure. Okay. We don't believe you. All right. So I'll be surprised if anybody gets this, and my heart will go out to you if you do. Uh, but a personal favorite of mine, name Qualcomm's email client that was available on Mac OS, Windows, and even supported Newton's and Palm OS. Again, this was Qualcomm's email client. That's IBM. I'm thinking of going once, going twice. Nope. It was Eudora. That's it. Eudora. Yeah. I used that for a very long time. And then actually when I dumped Eudora, I went to Outlook for a brief time and then I went to that Firebird. And then I before just it was email. Thunderbird. Yeah. Sh Shout yeah. out to Kent in the chat. He got it before you said it. Eudora. Nice. Wow. Nice. Well done, Kent. All right, so that means that SP is at two, Andrew's at three, Chris is at zero, and Kent is at one. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, unless you lived under a rock, you probably remember getting those wonderful AOL at discs in the early days of the internet. But there was another late 90s internet company that was very popular 
This one founded in 1998 that kicked off the idea of getting free internet access Chris. in Oh, Andrew? NetSpeed? No, that is incorrect. Uh, it is not NetSpeed. Uh, but yes, they, the free internet access trade-off for highly targeted advertising. Chris? Chris? Juno. It was not Juno. Oh, really? I, that was I not the no. one. That was not the one that kicked off the free internet. Is it Prodigy? Uh, I know it. All right, it was I'm, Net I'm Zero. Net oh. Zero. Yeah. So very close, Andrew. Very close. All right, so Andrew's still in the lead. Question number eight. Before the likes of MSN, this popular messenger was made by Mirabilis. I can't say it. M I R A B I L I S. I've never been able to say it my entire life. M-I-R-A-B-I-L-I-S. Popular messenger. Chris? All right, Chris. IRC? It was not IRC. It was a popular messenger? It was a very popular messenger. Very popular. Some said that it was uh, almost the birth of real true messengers. Uh, AIM? No, it was ICQ. So it means Kent is at two in the chat. Uh, You know what? You threw me off. With that I- IRC, I was that's I was going for ICQ, and I and you said IRC. By the way, IRC, ICQ had a great feature during one of their versions in I think probably like ninety nine two thousand. You could actually in, see on a beta version what people were typing to you. Yes, you could. I remember oh, that. Cool. You also uh, not a good feature, but one that I did use <laughs> at one point in my life. Um, they actually had IP addresses easily available for your partners. You just right-clicked on them, you went view yeah. profile, and you could see their IP addresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stalker. Yeah. Uh, kind of sort of true story with that once. Uh, all That's right. how Steven met me. <laughs> Next question that we've got here, question number nine. There's only 10 questions, by the way. Before Google Maps, this service, which is still around SB. and now owned by... Chris. Okay. MapQuest. It was MapQuest. Yep. By the way, who are they owned by? That's not a point. Uh, I want to say AOL, but that's probably wrong. No, they are now Verizon. owned by Verizon. Oh, <laughs> Verizon. Yeah, really? wow. yeah. So, yes, MapQuest was... I had so many maps. Printed out so many maps from MapQuest. Oh, yeah. I did yeah. it all the time. That's how I navigated. Mm-hmm. was print the directions off a of MapQuest, and I had a folder in my car when we'd travel. Okay, I know I'm going on this leg today. I need these directions. Yeah, that's how Steven found your house. (laughs) That's how I found his house, too. All right, so we're at a tie here. We're at a tie. Andrew and SP are both at three. We're big into ties at Guinea Geek, so that's fine with us. (laughs) Question number 10. All right. uh, There's going to be a bonus question, possibly. So in the last question this handheld gaming device came out years before the game boy color in 1990 and was known during development as project mercury what was the name chris. of this product I, who, chris said it first game gear it was indeed yeah. sega game gear and for the bonus point by the way so that means that chris is at one sp and andrew are still at three name the and I'll take it within a dollar. The approximate price tag U.S. dollars that this was released at. I only get a plus or minus dollar on it. So you you get plus or minus a, do- a dollar. Um. So for, go for ahead the, and and ring in if you want to answer that. Is SP. this for the Game Gear? For the Game Gear, what was the listed price? One forty nine. 
So uh, Andrew, when uh, I'll go ahead and take Andrew's because he he said he answered before and he didn't even need the plus or minus. It was one forty nine. <laughs> it was one forty nine. Was was what it was. So there yep. you go. Uh, SB, were you going one forty nine? I was actually. Uh, me you too. got it, man. You got it. <laughs> me too. Because I saved up so much for one when I was a yeah. kid because I wanted it. Yeah, 149. It was 150 back then. That was the sweet spot, yeah. Yeah, Commodore 64s and everything. Yeah. I remember going to the store to get it. So I and I actually just watched a retrospective video on the Game Gear. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, this morning actually. That's how, I how do you have so much time with two kids? I'm jealous. Uh, uh numbing, num numbing myself constantly. That's called that's, wine. That's kind of how it works. All right, so wine, I can go right? ahead and give you one of those. Andrew won this Thank round, you. and I don't know if Suncast has ever won a round. Of Geek Wars, so you can Hold go on. ahead. Look, look how fast this came in. <laughs> <laughs> For those audio yeah. listeners, uh, there's a trophy right now that Andrew's holding up. So there, there you is. Go. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. So go ahead and. I'd uh, like to thank the Academy. <laughs> I like to t thank God, and of course, I like to thank my agent for booking me on the show. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Andrew, for coming on here today. It was a lot of fun. I really like that podcast talk. I had no idea it was coming. You held that from us, but uh, again, I feel like we could dive into that a little bit more sometime. For Whenever you want. For those people who tuned out at the beginning or skipped over the beginning, again, can you remind everybody where they can find you other than keeping Suncast in line? Uh, so I keep Suncast in line, obviously, but I, uh, at, at gfknetwork.com, you can find me there or you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Zarian. Uh, I do what the tech every Tuesday live at gfqlive.tv with Paul Therat. And I do Matt men on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Cause that's the best time to talk about professional wrestling when everybody's at work <laughs> and nobody can listen to you live. So we record at eleven, at ten o'clock, eleven o'clock on Thursdays, and uh, yeah, you could just follow me on Twitter. You can find out what I'm up to. Uh in the chat, by the way, Suncast is calling me a liar. So I guess he did one win once, apparently. But you have a better he's, he's track record. You have a one hundred percent success rate here, Andrew. Listen, that and that is the last time I'm playing that game because I like to, I like to keep it batting at a thousand. So this is my retirement from the game. Uh, oh, okay. So Suncast is clarifying that you you are the liar. You are the liar. So there you go. Oh, okay. So you got some you got some wiggle room. Chris Farrell, is there anything that you want to plug or promote? Sure, I'm not going to plug any of my own stuff, but a reminder: GunnaGeek.com. If you go to Geeks.Live, that is the streaming home of the Gunna Geek Network. We've got a ton of shows that stream live. You're probably watching the official GunnaGeek.com show there right now. So if you are, scroll down the page a little bit. You'll see a nice calendar at the bottom of the page that shows you the live schedule of all of the other shows in the network. So hey, give it a chance. Swing on in on one of those other live shows and tell them we sent you. Awesome. How about you, Stargate Pioneer? Anything that you want to plug or promote? Just loving the Guinea Geek Discord server, which you can find at guineageek.com slash Discord. It's been growing and the conversations have been really phenomenal. We had a lot of Black Friday give and go, especially with the smart tech. Just created a whole new smart tech channel in the yeah. Discord. It's been really fun. Thank you for everybody that's been joining and contributing. And if you haven't joined it yet, just go to guineageek.com slash Discord and we'd love to have you in there. Last week, we talked about some Black Friday deals, and uh, I, I got to say, I picked up a couple of what I was looking for, um, but Chris 
turned me on to a couple other deals as well. So definitely, if you weren't in the Discord, you missed out on that. So again, guineageek.com slash Discord, or just go to the links. I've got them in the show notes for this very episode. Again, Andrew, thank you for coming on here. I do greatly appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And Anytime. Uh, you let me know. Especially, Anytime. Especially because you framed yourself with the wonderful whatever you've got behind it. The light's lighting up. Now i got to rethink my studio again. <laughs> well, I'm tearing this whole thing apart in January, so we're uh, starting over again. Okay, well, fair. we'll take all your old gear if you don't want yeah. it anymore. We'll be happy I'm just to gonna take go, it off your hands. Listen, I'm getting rid of the cameras. I'm just going to start doing audio only at the lowest possible quality with a condenser mic with everything happening outside, just picking up the noise. That, that's my goal for 2019. I want to go backwards. <sighs> you can borrow my Yeti if you want. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're gonna i'm gonna get an aneurysm if i think about that microphone <laughs> all right so for episode number 265 of the official geek.com show i'm steven john drew saying there's a lot of podcast talk check out more at betterpodcasting.com msp saying goodbye big falcon rocket i'm chris farrell and i'm shamed by my loss tonight Hey, I'm Andrew Zarian, and uh, Suncast, you can come out of the basement now. It's fine. You can leave. (sighs) Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.